Well, for the past uh, few weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Whole Life Worship. And so far, we've discussed how our Sunday gathered worship is, is, is meant to spill out in our Monday scattered worship. We've also explored this idea that um, our everyday story is part of God's bigger story and it brings honor and glory to him. And in some ways, we have a natural tendency to want to compartmentalize our lives. Like this is our church life and this is our home life. But there's really no such thing in the economy of God. And this really, this, this understanding of compartmentalization really came to me um, as I was a young Marine. As a young Marine, I really felt like I could compartmentalize my life. You know, this is my, my life as a Marine while I'm in uniform. And then when I go home, this is my personal life. But it really, really, um, that never really worked out too well. Because at the end of the day, and what was continually reiterated was that you were a Marine 24-7. And the bottom line was the antics that you did outside of uniform mattered because you were a Marine and you were going to get in trouble. So I can remember that there were, there were times, you see the, the picture. So um, there was times where after work, we, we were, I was a young Marine in North Carolina, and we thought it would be really cool to go and um, we saw some lawn ornaments that would really be nice. So we decided to take them and bring them to the barracks. And it seems like these gnomes kept on like, like doubling and tripling. And so all of a sudden um, we had all these lawn ornaments in the barracks. And our, our, uh, our commanders didn't like that too much. All right. It didn't matter that we did it on our personal time. Right? Because we were a Marine and, and we brought discredit to our unit and to the Marine Corps. Another, another time, there was a, a guy that um, really had an affection towards alligators. And on his personal time, he decided to go grab an alligator and raise it in the barracks. <laughs> he put it in his shower, he sandbagged the shower up, he turned it on and made a little pond there and had this little baby alligator. And his excuse was, well, I did this during my personal time. It didn't matter. It didn't matter because what we did off base out of uniform was just as important as what we did on base in, in uniform. And, and it's, just, it's just the same for us. It, it matters what we do. And it matters what we do outside of these walls. It doesn't matter. Uh, one's not more important than the other. And, and we can't compartmentalize it. It all matters to God, and worship is not just a matter of songs and prayers, but it's also our actions and our attitudes in the world, and an offering of our every ordinary task for the glory of Christ. And wherever we are is a sacred place of worship. And today's message is, is titled, Wherever Worship. So if you're not there, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 17, and I want to give you a little context here. So Paul is in prison. He's in a Roman prison. He's towards the end of his life and the end of his ministry. And he's writing the church at Colossae. And Colossae is in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And the believers at Colossae were, were challenged by this melting pot of religions and philosophies that they found themselves in. And they found it very difficult to see how their everyday work um, intersected their faith. And they really try to compartmentalize that, saying, well, this doesn't make sense. And they were really exhausted with, with being out in this, this, this melting pot of philosophies and religions and, and cultures. And so Paul writes to them to encourage them. 
And, and it's really encouraging us as well because we could totally identify with this. We get exhausted and we try to compartmentalize those things to negate that exhaustion. And, and we often just go through the motions of our daily lives thinking that it doesn't connect with the bigger picture and with God. We call it, we even have things like, you know, yeah, another day, we're going to the grind and, and so on and so forth. But everything matters to God. Everything. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at three aspects of how we can worship God wherever we're at on our front line and on our everyday by exploring three main things. One, our identity in Christ. We really got to know who we are in Christ so that as we proceed, we can see what that looks like in our everyday and worship from that platform. We also need to understand the motivation we have in Christ. And then finally, I want to look at how our practical everyday tasks are an offering to Christ. So let us begin. Let me pray for us as we begin this. Father, we come to you right now and we bless you and we thank you and we entreat you by your Holy Spirit to teach us the things that we do not know. Work in our hearts, Lord. Give us this bigger vision of what you're doing in our everyday. We love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we see is wherever worship proceeds out of a new identity in Christ. Now, my career as a Marine, I took on many different identities. I had different, different um, ranks. I had different jobs. I was in communications. I was a special forces guy. I was all these things. But first and foremost, I was a Marine. And that, that was my foundational identity. And, and I was a Marine 24-7. And this was continually reiterated, encouraged by the leadership. And this propelled me through all the changes in my career. And, and for us, we all have these identifying titles and roles in our lives. And they change. Some of us are fathers and mothers. And some of us grand, grandfathers, grandmothers. Some of us are supervisors or we're not supervisors, and, and things shift and things change. And, and so we have to reground ourselves in the identity of Christ because this could be very exhausting and disorienting and really cause um, an identity crisis in our life if we do not get this right. And so we, we see that wherever worship, this idea of worshiping wherever, requires us to resolve the question of identity. The question is, who does God say I am in Christ? If you walk away with nothing from this, this, this message today, I want you to listen to this. All right, I want you to listen to this part because this, this will propel everything that you do. And so we have to answer that question. Who does God say we are in Christ? It doesn't matter what our job says. It doesn't matter what our spouse says. Who does God say we are in Christ? And so we read in verse 12, the very first word is therefore. Now when you see a therefore, what do you have to do? Yeah, you have to ask, what's the therefore therefore? Because Paul is about ready just to launch something on us here. And so therefore what? Well, we see if we go back a few verses in verse 1. We are raised with Christ. So we've been raised with Christ. We see in verse 3 and 4. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we are raised with Christ. When Christ was raised on the cross, raised from the dead, we were raised and we died. Our old person died. We read in verse 10 that we are renewed in Christ. We have been renewed. We're not who we are. 
We also read as we continue on in verse 12 that we're God's chosen people. God's chosen people. I don't know if you understand the implications of this. Because this is something that just, just blew my mind. For years I struggled with my faith. And I don't know if this is where you're at or if you've been here. But I struggle with my faith. Because I know who I am. And I know I'm not that good. And I was always taught that it was up to me. It was up to me. And I had just to do things better. And, 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 and be better at being a Christian. Which there's elements of behavior in us. And entering into that, that process. But the fact. The very core fact is that. We have been chosen by God. We didn't crash the party. We didn't crash the party. God's not sitting there going, well, you know what? Unfortunately, you figured out the salvation thing, so I have to let you in. You got, you got in on a loophole. <laughs> God's sitting there and he's saying, I chose you. I chose you. You didn't crash the party. You're mine. We see that we're holy. We're holy. We're, we're set apart. We're made pure in Christ. This, the word actually means made ritually pure. We're pure in Christ. We're clothed with Christ and we're pure. We may, we're made righteous in Christ. Not because of what we did, but because of what he has done. And we put our faith in him. His righteousness is just poured in on us. And God sees that. He doesn't see all the stuff that we do. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And it says we're dearly loved. We're dearly loved. And I think the meaning of love is, has really been um, bankrupt in our own culture. The idea of love. We throw love around like, I love pizza. I love this. I love that. We tell people we love them and we really don't. We're just trying to get something out of them. But here God says we're dearly loved. That love means love with a, a sacrificial love that's rooted in the very character of who God is. And so this is who God says we are. This is who you are if you put your faith in Christ. You're Christ, and no one's going to separate you from that. That's your core identity. That's your foundation. And, and for me, when I was a Marine, I remember that this was reiterated to me, that you're a Marine, you're a Marine. But I had to embrace this identity and learn. Because it isn't like you just like get zapped, and you're like, all right, I'm a good Marine. And it's the same thing for faith. It isn't like I put my faith in, in Christ, and therefore I know everything now. I don't really like to be zapped. And be like, I really just wish like all this like stuff that I used to do would just go away. But it doesn't work. We have must embrace this identity and learn. And, and wherever worship requires us to embrace this identity in Christ and just learn. And as God's chosen people, we must reflect godly qualities in our life. And so we're given a command. The command is clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. It means become something. You know... When I was a Marine, I don't know what it was, but when I would put on my dress blue uniform, and I have all the, the, the uh, medals and my jump wings and my scuba bowl and all the bling all over the place, I stood a little taller. When I clothed myself with that, I acted differently. I became something. And we're called to clothe ourselves with Christ and become something, become Christ-like. We're, we're to take off our old self, verse 9, and put on our new self, which is Christ. And I want to encourage you that this is not a zero-sum game here. Oftentimes we're like, yeah, I got to get better. I got to stop this stuff in my life. I got I to come to church more. I got to stop swearing more. I need to stop, you know, instead of stop drinking as much or whatever your thing is, right? 
I need to stop doing that. But it's not a zero-sum game. You must discard things, but you've got to put on something because it's vacuumous. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's this idea that you could just be um, morally or ethically neutral. And that's a falsity. That's not even possible. So you must discard, but you must put on. We're called to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're called to bear with each other. You know, let's just face it. Some people and us, we have it as well, each one of us, we're weird. We have weird little things about us that annoy each other about us, right? If you've been married for a while, there's something about your spouse that annoys you. And we're, <laughs> it's all right if you hit them, okay? My point is, is that we're called to, to bear with one another. We're called to bear with one another. It's like, it's like, you know what? I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but I'll bear with that because I love you. We're also called to forgive one another if anyone has, if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave. I don't know if you know the weight of that. Forgive as the Lord forgave. The Lord forgave so much. Everything. And we're supposed to forgive in that same way. There's no number to that. I think a lot of us have a hard time with that. And if, so forgive as the Lord, 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in, in perfect unity. And these are all virtues that are meant to be demonstrated, exercised, and put on in our everyday interactions with everyone that we come to meet, regardless of how we feel. You see, here's the thing. We don't always, always feel like forgiving. We don't always feel like being compassionate or anything like that, but we're called to do it. Why? Because we're in Christ, and God's not going to ask us to do something that he hasn't empowered us to do, and he has by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so we have to get this right. We have to embrace our identity. But it's only possible to do these things if we fully embrace our identity. I, I, I want to make this very clear. Why? Because when you go and you have compassion on someone or, or you show humility or kindness or you bear with someone or especially if you forgive someone, it's going to cost you something. You have to give, give up your rights to any sort of reparation. You just have to give it up. Forgiveness costs. And the pinnacle of that was Jesus Christ. And so we must embrace this identity so that we can forgive, so we can be clothed. Because you can't give away something you don't have. So you have to embrace that so you can give it away. And I have to ask, ask you guys all, what would change in your life if you just totally embraced your, your identity in Christ? Like what would happen in your life? What would happen in your relationships? What would those look like? Friends, it's, it's really time for us to be clothed and just learn. This is huge. So that's the, the first thing. The second thing is wherever worship is empowered by a new motivation in Christ. Now, one thing I love being about a Marine or being a Marine was, was we looked after each other. We looked after each other. Even when you retire and you run into another service member or Marine, you look after each other. And, and I really love that. Why? Because... Because we're on the same team, and we're all part of the same mission. 
And so, and so the same thing is for us as Christians. We're all on the same team and we all have one mission. And wherever worship is motivated by the body of Christ, all of us around here. You know, a lot of times when, when, I, when I talk to people, um, the first thing they tell me is, I'm not going to be in, in service this, this week. And they like tell me why they're not going to be here. And it's like, whatever, like, I just want to know how you're doing. But, um, but I do want to say that it's important that you're in the body and that you participate in the body of Christ. Because when you're gone, um, we feel it. Because we're all, we're all together. This is all one team. This is who we are. We've been brought together. And, and so we see that we're, we're encouraged in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That means let the peace, let the absence of, of systemic um, internal mental stress and anxiety because you are so um, saved, because you know you're saved, um, rule you or, or, or just overtake you. Why? Because it says, since as members of, of one body, you are called to peace. So the, we are called to experience peace with each other and encourage peace, the peace of Christ with one another. Like you can't do this by yourself. It's not possible. You know, we live in a very individualistic culture, so we think that um, we can just do everything by ourselves. But the people of God were never meant to exist by themselves, and we're actually called to peace. The, the idea of, of being controlled by peace or being ruled by peace is, is, is this, this sense of everything is peaceful, like you're, you're pursuing peace. And this says, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. This is an authoritative call by Christ. So Christ is saying, because you're in the body of Christ, because I died for you, you are called to be a peacemaker. And encourage one another to pursue peace in Christ. And then we read, we are to be thankful. We're to be thankful for one another. And I love that word, thankful. The word thankful is the Greek word Eucharistos. It's where we get the word Eucharist from. Now, some of you don't know maybe what that word is. The word Eucharist is what we call communion, Holy Communion. We're going to be, doing, we're going to be partaking in the Lord's table today. And, and, and the word Eucharist actually means thanksgiving. And so we see that as we come to the table today, it's a table of thanksgiving of what Christ has done, but also being part of the body of Christ. And I don't know if you understand the implications of being part of the body of Christ. It's this, this idea, like we often think of it as very utility, like, oh, well, I'm the hands and I'm the feet. Well, I might be the kidney or, or something like that. But it's this idea that we're connected with Christ, his very body. But we're also connect, connected with the saints that have come before us and who will come after us that we haven't physically met. But we're connected with them. We're all part of the body. If that doesn't blow your mind away, I don't know what will. And so we're part of this. And as we come to the table, we're called to give thanks for being part of this body and for each other. And it's a celebration of, of thanksgiving. And our, and our interactions with one another are meant to be a, a practical continuation of Holy Communion. You don't just come here and... and you know, take a, a piece of bread and then do a shot of grape juice and walk out the door. Amen. It's meant to actually mean something and it's a call to continue on with that. It's not about going through the motions. So I'm going to encourage you today as we do this, really think about what you're doing. 
We also see that wherever uh, worship is motivated by the message of Christ, verse 16 says, let the message of Christ dwell richly among you richly as you teach and admonish, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You see, the peace of Christ rules where the message of Christ dwells. That's just where, that's what happens. And we worship in truth and spirit when we speak the truth in love, bathed in the gospel. It has to be bathed in the gospel. Part of being part of the body of Christ is that we're continually reminding each other of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we go and we speak and, and, and we talk about what Jesus has done and, and we contextualize it to our everyday. And it, we carry that on as we are the church scattered. You see, we must remember who we are and the good news of the gospel. We must remember that we have all fallen short of the glory of God and we deserve God's wrath. Yet Christ came and lived a perfect and righteous life. And he died on the cross. But three days later, he was resurrected. And we put our faith and trust in him. We are raised and we are resurrected to new life. And, and Jesus is renewing all things. And we're part of that. And we have to tell each other that. And continually tell each other that. And remind each other that. That's why you're there. You're not there to give each other spiritual platitudes. And, and to say, oh, it's going to be all right, or half-truths, or false doctrines, because you read it at, at a Christian bookstore. We're called to, to come and preach the word to one another. And we see that, that we often push away from that, because we don't want to seem judgmental or, or not politically correct, or we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And I totally understand that we're called to speak the truth in love, but we're not helping each other out when we just let a, a person go off on their own way and, and enter into sin. It doesn't help a person. They're not transformed into Christ-likeness. If you see someone walking off a cliff, you're going to say, stop. But many of us just go, well, they'll figure it out. And then they fall off the cliff, and we're like, I can't believe they fell off the cliff. And so we need to teach, admonish. That word admonish means to correct. It means to correct somebody. And you have to be open to correction as well. We're called to encourage one another on this journey. Because it is a journey. And when we do that, that's worship. We also see that wherever worship is motiva motivated by gratitude, we're called to sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. It means this deep gratitude for all that God's given us. Do you realize we are the most blessed people on the planet? I mean, seriously, we're the most blessed people on the planet. We're chosen by God, and we have a place of worship. It's actually warm in here, which is awesome. You walk outside, you look at the leaves. We're in New England in the fall. Come on, people fly to come look at our leaves. That's pretty awesome. We're the most blessed people on the planet, and we have so much to, be, to give thanks for, and God owes us nothing. And i got to confess that I immediately think about what I don't have most of the time. And what does it say to the world when, as Christians, we're the most divided, consumeristic, unthankful people in the community? What does that tell people? And I'm going to tell you this. People are watching. The other day I was at Stashies, and I was getting pizza. We're having people over, and I was like pressed for time. And I called them up. They said, 20 minutes. So I come, 25 minutes. I'm like, it's definitely done. And it's not done. And I'm like, what the heck? So I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and Erica's at home waiting for our gas. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, come on, come on. And so I start to throw, like, a little temper tantrum. Like, I'm just like, hey, where's my pizza? <laughs> and I'm, like, throwing a little brat fit. And someone from the church just happened to be there. I didn't see. <laughs> and they're like, 
hey, pastor, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, how you doing? <laughs> and then I was on my drive home like, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Because I was just telling, you know, so anyways, I drowned my sorrow in pizza, all right? So <laughs> the point is, is people are watching, all right? We're the body of Christ, and, and there's power. There's power in that, and there's power in us, we. And there's an event that's coming up on the 26th it's called the Power of We. It's a Q event, and it's meant for the whole church to come together and talk about these things, like how, as the body of Christ, do we respond to these things? And so I want to encourage you on the 26th to sign up for this, because I think it's very important. I think this is a good step for us to understand what it means to be part of the body of Christ in our cultural moment at this time. Finally, the last thing, wherever worship is every day is a everyday practical offering for the glory of Christ. And you know, oftentimes as a Marine, I would get discouraged and, and I'd kind of get lazy and I'd be overwhelmed because some of the things that we're doing really didn't, I didn't see how they really mattered to the mission at hand. So like, what is sweeping the floor as a Marine going to do or cleaning the bathroom going to do for me or do for the mission. And I would have leaders that say, you have no idea that what this means to the mission. Everything matters. And the same for us as well. Our everyday matters to God. It matters. And so wherever worship is, an everyday practical offering of everything. It's, it's offering God everything. And we read in verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word, any form of communication, whether that's written, speaking, body language, or deed, any work of any sorts, if that's vocational work, taking care of the kids, sweeping, taking the garbage out. We do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in verse 11 it says, Christ is all and in all. And so the question is, is does God care about us taking the garbage out? Does he care about me feeding the dog? Does he care about me mowing the lawn? Does he care about me doing the dishes? And the answer is yes, 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 and yes. Because Christ is all and in all. And we're called to do this with thanksgiving to the Father. Because you don't understand that everything, Christ is everything in all and, and, and is all. And when we do this, we, we cultivate, we make a better environment, we bring him glory. And so even our menial, most menial tasks matter to God. And so if you're sitting here and you're going, I don't know if my life really matters to God. I mean, come on, this is another diaper I'm changing. Come on, this is another car I have to fix. Hey, this is another book I have to read for school. Like, it matters to God. All of it. Because you're, you're, you're cultivating, you're renewing, you're working the garden, the garden that he has given you in your life. And so here's the most practical aspect of this. When we offer everything to God, everything we do to God, we experience joy. The menial tasks, when we offer them to God, we experience joy. Why? Because we're doing what we were created to do. Namely, worshiping Him. We were created first and foremost for worship, to worship God. And when we give God our everyday, our everyday task, and we offer it to Him, and we say, here you go, God, this is yours. We experience joy. Because we're doing what we were created to do, which is worship. That doesn't mean we're not going to struggle with things that we do and go, man, this really is horrible. I have to sweep again, but you know what, God? Lord be to you that I have a floor to sweep. So when was the last time you just stopped and gave thanks for your ordinary gifts to God? When was the last time that you stopped and thought just of your hands? Your hands. 
as an instrument of worship wherever your front line happens to be. You realize we use our hands for so many things, and they're, they're a major instrument of worship. I'm going to ask Fernando, can you come up here? As Fernando comes up here, Paul writes in Romans 6, 13, Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And so what I want to do right now is I want us to offer our hands. Offer our hands to God as instruments of righteousness for his worship. So would you just bow? Would you just just look at your hands? Go ahead, look at your hands. Turn them over and look at them from every angle. What do you notice? Are your hands small or large? Smooth or rough? Warm or cold? Do you see scars? What do they remind you of? Perhaps you're wearing jewelry. Are there any memories attached to any bracelets or rings? Now think through your ordinary day and note all the things you do with your hands. From turning off the alarm clock in the morning to switching the bedside lamp at night, Draw to mind all the things that you use your hands for. Now spend a moment thanking God for the good things that you have remembered. Your material provisions, your family members, food, your fulfilling work, your spare time activities. Give him thanks. Now I invite you to close your hands in the fists. We read in Colossians 3 that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we are to do it in Jesus' name. Giving thanks to the Father. Let us spend a moment considering how we use our hands in ways which are not glorifying to God. Perhaps these things that are weigh us down with guilt and regret. Maybe there are words typed in a Facebook post or in a tweet or in an email. Maybe it's grasping things that aren't ours or indulging in our own desires. Or perhaps ours is more of a sin of omission, of holding our hands tightly shut when we should be generous with our love or possessions. Our God of mercy invites you to bring these things before him in confession. I invite you to open your fists now and turn your hands up with your palms up as if receiving a gift by Christ's death on the cross, God forgives your sin when you confess it to him. Receive his forgiveness and freedom from guilt with your hands still open that you might be able to offer back. What can you offer back? Are there things in your daily life that can be done more purposefully for God? Can you imagine your daily task as being offered as a worship to him? What are those things? Father, you created us to do good and to bring glory to you. Now take all that we are, our words, our deeds, and the work of our hands, and use them as we live as people of your kingdom. And for your praise and honor, in the name of Jesus we pray.